Welcome to iFocus Podcast, where we connect, inform, and engage business leaders and entrepreneurs. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. I am Val Thompson, host for iFocus Podcast. Today, I'm very excited about this episode because I'm interviewing one of our own, the Honorable Cynthia L. Blanford. She is executive producer for, uh, for iFocus Podcast, as well as managing director for Blanford Thompson International Business Consulting and the Atlanta publisher for the International Focus Magazine. So, Cynthia Blanford, how are you today? I'm doing great, Val. How are you? Good to see you. In Houston, I know it's hot, and it's hot in Atlanta, too. Hot Atlanta. Oh, it's hot Atlanta? Oh, okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, well, this is the big H. This is Houston. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so let's let's jump right into it. Uh, first, why don't you tell us uh, a little something about yourself and provide us with a sneak peek uh, into your memoirs, because this is about your memoirs, and I think the title is my heart bleeds for Africa, not bleeds, my heart beats, my heart beats for Africa. How the love for the motherland uh, led me to a life of purpose. So tell us about your story and a little bit about your background. Well, thanks, Val. And to all of you in, uh, in the listening audience, just thank you for the opportunity. I'm just so excited to share with you a piece of my life. So as you can imagine, um, at my age, my tender age, I had to make some decisions about legacy and telling my story. So a few years ago, I did make a really good decision, I think, with the encouragement of my sister, Artie Blanford, and other friends and family to write my memoirs and to share my unique journey as the first African-American woman to serve as the honorary counsel for the Republic of Liberia as they were celebrating 173 years of independence. And again, I'm reading from my memoirs. If you see me looking down, it's because I actually am telling my story from a published document that came out when Val Thompson actually came to Atlanta, Georgia to put me on the front cover of the If Magazine in Houston. And then I did it again in my inaugural series about a year and a half ago. Okay. So I am honored to be able to share some of my excerpts of my memoirs um, with you today and my journey from public housing to public diplomacy. My heart beats for Africa, how a love for the motherland led me to a life of purpose. We're always looking for life of purpose. This is a simple story about a little brown skinned girl who was born in the Jones Court public housing community in Elmira, New York. I grew up also in small town, Ithaca, New York, a college town. Born Cynthia Lynn Blandford, better known by her friends and family as Cindy, a curious green eyed little girl raised by a single mom to be bold and courageous. She was encouraged, Cindy was, I was inspired as a little girl prompted by my mother and the community to think big, to give service and to make an impact on the world. Today as a woman, Val, on the global stage, as you know a bit about my career, I'm celebrating almost 50 years of my life in love and learning for Africa, particularly for Liberia. So I felt compelled to tell my story, to share my story with you and with others in hopes that I could inspire other young boys and girls of color in particular, and young women all over the world to consider becoming future diplomats, ambassadors, consuls generals, honorary consuls, 
or to pursue a career uh, in the field of diplomacy, international affairs, in their college studies. So Val, my life as an honorary counsel has been transformative. There's no doubt about it. And for those who are interested in this field of study, they should pursue it with vigor so that one day they may have a prominent place at the global table to help shape the course of history and to make an impact and to serve others. So as I tell my story as a young girl, I imagined a life where I could be on the international stage, enriched, enlightened, and exposed to a whole world with heads of state, queen mothers, people in commerce and industry, ministers of government, history and culture, and incredible people and places that would shape my thinking for a lifetime. I hope that my story could be a spark, an enlightenment, or an amazing journey for some little boy or girl just like I was. My story, as I said, began in Jones Court in public housing many, many years ago. I was the daughter of a neighborhood community center secretary and a high school basketball player, Ardella and Billy, where my parents fell in love at a very early age. The young love only lasted a few years, unfortunately, but my mom, courageous as she was, moved to Ithaca, New York with three small children to begin a new life. Ardella Eunice Blandford, my mom, smart, beautiful, with an exceptional personality, infectious. She only had a high school diploma, yet she moved up the career ladder to success at Cornell University, where she worked as a manager in the personnel department and then became the first African-American woman on the board of trustees at Cornell University. She then went on with my stepfather, Joe Wilson, to IBM at, I guess you could say, they started to set up the IBM offices in North Carolina, where they stayed for many years until they retired. My mom left her footprint at IBM as well. My mom, Miss Ardella, or mommy, as I sometimes affectionately called her, taught us to be fearless, courageous, and to respect one another. She instilled in us Christian moral values, telling us and showing us that we could be anything we wanted to be. My mom, Ardella, was a diplomat in her own right. For example, a short story. When neighborhood kids in Ithaca used to call us the N-word, and you know what that means, she would call a meeting in the front yard on Judd Falls Road in Ithaca, New York, and asked the little white kids to come and sit around with her as she told her story. She would teach them why it was wrong to call hurtful names to her children. She was matter of fact in her speech, yet diplomatic with her words. She told those kids to stop being ugly to her children. And then after hearing her speech, they all scattered running back to their homes, snickering along the way. Little did I know then that these types of experiences that mommy facilitated and negotiated on the front lawn in front of our house in small town USA, Ithaca, New York, would later serve as a role model for me as I looked at diplomacy and international relations on the world stage. I believe her spirit and her unique skills and her savoir-faire was preparing me for a life of purpose with an aim toward life of diplomacy and service. So Val, as I tell my story as a young country girl growing up in Ithaca, I had the audacity to think I could change the world and that I could be anyone and anything because mommy, Miss Ardella, said I could. 
With love and the prayers of my ancestors, I was being armored with strength and confidence and a desire to do great things. There was no stopping me. Let me ask, uh, how did you become an honorary consul? Well, I guess I could jump on to my other part of my memoirs. Um, I have to say that I believe my appointment was really divine intervention, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I was told that I was destined, based upon my experience at Cornell University with the first Africana Studies Center, all the influence from Black thought leaders and people who came to the Cornell campus for Africana Studies to learn and teach Pan-Africanists came and told their stories. So Liberia and Africa became a part of my life when I was as young as 16 years old. So this divine intervention really helped to focus my life from a very early age. So as my heart was still beating for Africa, I found myself yearning. At this time, I was thinking about a Rotarian scholarship. And so I, I went to uh, Liberia at the age of 18, and I had the distinct honor and pleasure to learn the culture and the people and Liberia became my second home. Okay, what does an honorary consul do? And uh, what other services do, do they provide? Well, as an honorary consul, um, we do a number of things. Uh, it's just an impressive opportunity to serve and provide leadership to the community. So in my past experiences as an honorary consul, the Liberian consulate provided visa and counselor services to over 25,000 Liberians here in the state of Georgia and all throughout the region and really all throughout the world. With strong partners and a vibrant business community, we supported those who really thought that Liberia, believed Liberia was a go-to destination for travel, trade, tourism, and investment. Our work included working with the city of Atlanta, the Georgia Department of Economic Development, and in particular, the particular the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Through that relationship, we established one of the first sister airport agreements between Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport and the Liberian Airport Authority. And why was that so important? Well, you can only imagine if you have Liberians here in Georgia and almost probably a quarter of a million plus throughout the United States, people want to get home, people want to travel, they want to visit their family. They want to go for graduation and weddings. So it became an opportunity to work with Delta Airlines also on direct flights to Liberia. It was an amazing experience. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, in addition to the sister airport uh, agreement, we also have a sister port agreement between the National Port Authority of Liberia, as well as the Georgia Ports Authority. And that allows for trade to increase between the two port cities. We can do a little bit better sending uh, items out of uh, Liberia to the United States. We're working on those uh, you know, particulars now through AGOA, the African Growth and Opportunities Act. But we believe that <clears throat> trade will increase between Liberia and Georgia in the very, very short term. So my job is, is to make sure that we encourage travel, trade, and tourism. OK, so how could uh, the Liberian business community help? Can they help anyhow to work with Americans uh, that's, that are interested in doing business in Liberia? Well, of course. Is there, an opportunity, is there an opportunity for the Liberian business community to help you? Well, is it please, possible? Oh, it's always possible. Anything is possible. I mean, I just believe that we've done almost 50 trade missions uh, to Liberia. 
Okay. Uh, we've done investment missions. We've done education missions through our nonprofit called the University Consortium for Liberia. Uh, we have done, uh, I guess you might say, uh, tourism visits. Uh, in fact, we came back, as you already know, uh, the 200th anniversary, uh, the bicentennial of the founding of the first free or independent nation on the continent, Liberia. We celebrated the bicentennial last year and hundreds and hundreds of people went to Liberia to celebrate uh, the country. So there are opportunities to invest. Uh, Liberia is known for its rubber, one of the oldest of uh, plantations, you, I guess you might call, but more rubber than any other place in the world, I think outside of Indonesia, is found uh, in Liberia, rubber. Uh, we're looking at ways to source and manufacture uh, rubber uh, in Liberia so that we'll have opportunities to have gloves and condoms and you know, plastic products that are important mm, yeah. uh, for basic needs of the community. Um, so there are ways not only through, um, through, through rubber, but there's also a budding opportunity through natural hair products. Shea butter uh, is also doing some great work, shea butter moisturizer, uh, through hair care products, facial products. Um, there's an opportunity for renewable energy. Uh, Liberia has one of the last remaining rainforests. Um, and so there's a huge opportunity when you look at climate change to uh, understand the importance of water and energy that Liberia could offer the world. Um, so if you look at all those uh, dynamics, agriculture, we are now a net, uh, an exporter of cocoa, uh, giving Cote d'Ivoire a run for their money, uh, so to speak. And so uh, we are exporting uh, cocoa, which I think is really, really exciting. We have great leadership um, uh, with Minister Molly Cooper in the Ministry of um, Agriculture. So there's some great ways for people to invest, uh, to be a part of the growth of this nation. And we certainly hope that people will join us. I heard that there were there were some award-winning honey. Uh, and you know, I love honey. So tell me about that honey. I heard there was some award-winning honey. I think it's called Liberian honey. And I've, had, I've sampled it and it is great. Um, so there's honey products and there's um, also rice. There's opportunity in rice uh, on, uh, in the, the Republic of Liberia as well. So any other products? Well, um, actually we both had an opportunity uh, to work with, right. I, I think a great uh, entrepreneur, uh, Gladys Freeman, and she right. is an entrepreneur we all know now with uh, Liberia Pure. Uh, right. Honey. On the, oh, okay. stage, yeah, on the world stage yeah. in the UK a few years ago, Liberia Pure Honey received an international award as one of the best honeys uh, in the world. So I think that's exciting. Uh, I've tasted it. You've tasted others. Right. It is a phenomenal honey. And we're right. excited to be partnering with them. Not only do they do honey, they do coconut uh, oils uh, for hair and body. Uh, they also do uh, honey candles, which are mm. very impressive. Uh, so we're very excited about what honey, the honey product can do, uh, and just in terms of the natural uh, components of honey and the benefits mm -hmm. of honey, but hopefully one day we'll figure out how we can export containers of honey so we can get them on the shelves right. here in America and throughout the world. Right, what about, uh, you know, I, I was reading something about the ports in, uh, in uh, Liberia, and I think they have four ports. And uh, what's interesting is um, there's a lot of development that could, could take place there. Uh, are you are you are you familiar with the ports anywhere? Are there any 
any opportunities there? Is there a project you may be working on uh, with the port uh, of Monrovia? Freeport of Monrovia, but it's also under the National Port Authority, correct? Uh, well, yeah, actually, uh, the company, Blanford Thompson uh, International Consulting, our company, as you know, is uh, working very closely uh, with the National Port Authority. Uh, we're very excited uh, that they have retained us to do a number of things. One is to help expand the port. Uh, there, there are a number of ports. One is Port Buchanan. Um, the National Port Authority in Monrovia has been um, commissioned uh, under a concession agreement to APM Terminal. But there are other ports that need special attention to bring them up to international standards. And we are uh, right now looking at how we can help with the needs assessment of Port Buchanan and other ports that are in Liberia. You have the Greenville Port, Harper Port, and Buchanan. Uh, so those are the ports that we are going to be focusing on to help increase trade. We do know that uh, as you and I visited um, Buchanan Port uh, last year, uh, the opportunities are endless just in terms of the location. We know that Assessor Mattel uh, Steel is uh, going to, uh, they're exporting uh, iron ore uh, out of um, Buchanan. Um, and so we're looking at ways in which we can increase the port capacity so we can have other exports coming out of Buchanan, Greenville, and Harper, but with a particular focus uh, on Buchanan. Um, you also might know that uh, through the launching of the National Port Authority uh, Scholarship Program with the Houston International Trade Development Council uh, and Blanford Thompson uh, Consulting, we are looking at ways to help build the capacity of the uh, National Port Authority uh, staff uh, through short-term training programs, as well as through academic or educational scholarship programs to help strengthen their academic skills, both in business, logistics, leadership development, and so forth. So the scholarship program was just launched in Houston a few weeks ago, and we're very excited right. about it. What are our goals uh, as far as fundraising? And um, are we thinking of uh, you know, students abroad, you know, actually Liberian students coming to Houston or somewhere else in the United States? Or are we talking about, uh, you know, maybe funding uh, their education in country? What, what are we mostly looking at? Well, as you know, from our discussions, the big priority is we do have a fundraising initiative underway currently uh, is to find uh, ways to strengthen uh, Liberians who are in Liberia. And so that right. means, for example, if there is a short-term certification uh, course in logistics or supply chain uh, management, then we would, uh, at the official time of the launch of the scholarship program, uh, look at opportunities to help uh, in a competitive way uh, announce to the community they have an opportunity to apply for a scholarship program. So it could be a short-term certification uh, at one of the universities uh, in Liberia or through a private sector firm. Um, there are specific requirements in terms of eligibility uh, that are posted on the HITD website as it relates to how you can apply and when you can apply. We've not officially launched the program yet. Uh, we'll be on the ground in a couple of weeks and we hope to get further direction from the NPA chief, uh, Madam Diana Nebo. You know, I was listening to your uh, memoirs a moment ago, very interesting and and, and very exciting. Um, there's a lot of things you did. Is there anything more about your memoir? We can go back to that. Are we leaving anything out? Well, yeah, I mean, actually there's a whole story. You might remember you came to Atlanta and uh, had a chance to share with you 
I, I, my my story, which I think for young uh, brown and black and yellow girls and boys all over the world, you know, you can learn from my from my journey. So I think that the one thing I wanted to share was really a little bit more about my experience at Cornell and then my my experience um, as a Rotarian scholarship. So I'll just take a minute to read just a little bit more about my memoirs for okay. our listening public. Please. All right, thank you. So Cornell influenced my life uh, and my journey toward my diplomatic post. In addition oh, to- oh, oh, let's, let, let me just say, Cornell influenced your journey. Is that what you're trying to tell us? More okay. specifically, so more specifically, yeah, the Africana Study Center on the okay. Cornell campus. So you, you, you actually was a student at Cornell. I was a student at Cornell, but this impact on my life started at the age of about 14, 15. My mom had a home on the campus. And so my okay. after school programs were literally uh, okay. on the Africana Studies Center. I would follow. I would just float in there because there was something drawing me to that center and it changed my life. Elaborate. So, Thank you. <laughs> so Cornell, uh, in addition to love and home values I received on the home front and my conviction to help change the world, it was also my learning environment that would expose and shape me at a very early age. Issues like world hunger and poverty, intellectualism, African inventors, women leaders, political movements, and scholars, and so much more influenced my way of thinking. In particular, uh, my experiences and exposure at Cornell's Africana Studies Center in Ithaca, the first of its type in America, a think tank, a laboratory of ideas where black thought leaders would debate and discuss for hours. This powerful and unique experience I found intriguing, which would ultimately change the course of my life forever. As my mother worked at Cornell, we lived not too far from the campus. So by the age of 14, I was influenced as I mentioned, by Africans and Pan-Africanists studying and teaching at the Africana Study Center, where I heard Gosa, Kiswahili, and other African languages. Did you I, learn that? Did you, did you learn any of them? I learned did a little you? bit of Kiswahili, and I experienced oh, okay. African food, right. and culture, All fashion, right. art, history, and developed an appreciation for the continent as a whole. So as, a, as, a, as an inquisitive young girl, you can only imagine I found myself yearning to become more like these intellectuals, to learn about them, sitting in classrooms, hanging around Africana Studies Center student lounges and wandering about the campus seeking something new and exciting. I knew I was a bit different. I also knew there had to be more to my brown skin and curly hair and green eyes that was unique and special that the world did not want me to know. There was something else but I just didn't know what it was. So as I had been taught about slavery in middle school and even high school and seen Tarzan and Jane movies, I was soon to discover that African-Americans were so much more than our slave history. Well, I later learned that Thomas Blandford, my name, was the slave owner of the Blandford family. I realized that I was much more than a slave name. I wanted to know about my African roots as it was clear by my, the color of my skin, I had white blood running through my veins, but who was I as an African? In my readings and listenings to esteemed black scholars in lecture halls and small meetings in dorms called Ujima on Cornell's campus, I soon learned that black people had a rich history. They were just, we were descendants of queen mothers, zoes, African kings and tribal chiefs, and even African presidents. 
we were taught in public schools that Africa was the dark continent, when in fact it was the continent of the future, the bright continent of hope and possibilities. So Val, from there, I said, what's next for me? And I said, there must be more than Ithaca, New York. And so I applied for a Rotarian scholarship uh, in 1974 and said, I'm going to find my way to the continent. So I owe a debt of gratitude to the Rotarian Club of Ithaca, New York for the opportunity to study and live in Liberia in 1974 and 1975. I, little did I know at the time, God had already placed a passion for Africa in my life. It was just now the prayers of my ancestors were moving me into another direction. So when I applied for the scholarship um, in 1974, my mom and family drove me to Canada. I hopped on a Pan Am flight flew for 24 hours. And when I reached the ground, you can only imagine the tears in my eyes soiled the land. And I said, you know, I'm home. I'm home. So for the next 12 months, I spent in Liberia. I taught school in Nimba County in Yakapa, Area B School, and I attended the University of Liberia. It was at that time that I really learned about the American Colonization Society, the whole transatlantic trade, trade slave, and how many Liberians and other Africans left from, from Liberia to the United States and then to the Afri American Colonization Society, those that went back as freed men and women. It's just a fascinating story about the history. So, of so, you, so, so prior to you uh, traveling to uh, Liberia on a scholarship, you knew nothing about the history. I didn't know the deep richness of the history. I just knew I needed. Listen, when Rotary said, do you want to go to Switzerland or do you want right. to go to Liberia? I said, well, I know enough about my white ancestry. I want to know who I am as an African. I said, get me on the next plane to Liberia. I did not know the deep history at the age of 17. Uh, it's deep know. and rich. There's no it question is. about that. It is, no question. So is I had that, a great experience and it changed my life. Okay. So is there anything more? Uh, to the memoirs. Well, I think when I you mean, read the memoirs, which will hopefully be published sometime it, in 2024, these are just snippets of my life experience. I think what's important for America to know is that Black America, is that we right. too have a home, and that home is Liberia. It's important to know that while President Obama was uh, the first African-American president of the United States, there were 10 African-American presidents of Liberia, the founding fathers, the first one, Joseph Jenkins Roberts. Most right. people, when we, you and I share that story wherever we go all over the world, and most people cannot believe there were 10 free black men who left America, who became presidents of an African nation, the first independent nation on the continent of Africa. So there's something to be very proud of. And I think right. that African-Americans owe it to themselves to understand and learn their history. You know, I, I have to let you know, uh, I've read your memoirs, so and, and it's a great read. And uh, you know, some at some point you need to put it on a, a hardback. You know, take it out of the magazine, put it on a hardback copy, so so you can sell it around the world. And and at that point, I'm sure you'll have plenty to add to it because you're creating more as you live and as you go. There's plenty more for of, left in uh, of you. Uh, for the motherland, and I'm very sure of that. So is there anything more? I mean, I know there's more, right? Well, just something, what's just something brief, 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 and you're right, there is a part two, and my sister and you and others encouraged me, like you said, okay. to go ahead and get her done. So for me, 
what's next is to tell the stories, the real other stories, the, of story. the new stories. Yeah. This is just the first blush. Uh, my heart beats for Africa, uh, particularly how my life was changed by my experience in Liberia. There's so much more to tell, so much more to say. And working with Judy, who is uh, uh, one of our producers on right now, we're so excited. Uh, she's also uh, encouraged me to make sure to get this done uh, so that people can hear my voice and understand my journey. Absolutely. Cynthia L. Blanford, uh, Memoirs, My Heart Beats for Africa, How a Love for the Motherland Led Me to a Life of Purpose. It has changed my life completely. And you and I are on this journey together. It's going to be an incredible next step as we talk about how do we leave our legacy? Because there's a legacy to be left for our children and our grandchildren. This is just the beginning. There's no question about that. What What do you have? What message do you have for our our viewers? Well, I know the time is coming short, so I want to say thanks to Val and to Judy for this opportunity. We're so excited. I'm an executive producer of iFocus Podcast, just like Val Thompson. We expect to come back to you and be sure to subscribe to iFocus Podcast. And you can listen to us on your favorite uh, podcast app. Please be sure to check us out on Instagram, other social media, Facebook. LinkedIn. We're so excited to tell our story. We have so much more to share with you. Be sure to check in. Until the next time, take care.